Alright you guys, UFC 280, what a card, new lightweight champion, new number one contender in the 135s, but overall in my opinion, if you're not a huge MMA fan already, this probably wasn't the card for you to watch to get a, a good showing of what the UFC has to offer, right? And you know... It's mostly for the hardcore fans. Obviously, you're not going to spend the money to buy a pay-per-view if you aren't a fan to begin with. But I'm going to review the main card fights, which, in my opinion, uh, outside of the Aljamain Sterling and TJ Dillashaw fight, it was okay. Uh, we're going to start with Caitlin Chikagian and Manafara. Uh... So at the time when I released the first podcast, I did not know that Caitlyn had a bad weight cut and that she uh, missed weight. So I don't know what was going on with her. I didn't find any information about what happened or why she missed weight. You know, sometimes women do have trouble uh, making weight because of their cycle. And that's something I'll never know or experience. So I can't really comment on that but I do know that trying to make weight is tough and no matter what's going on male or female you're going to be tired so if she had a bad weight cut um, that's clearly going to affect you in a fight a la Aljamain Sterling versus Peter Yon number one but overall in the fight I wouldn't say Manon looks so overly dominant that she um deserves to be the number one contender as in like if I'm just judging off of the fight not off of the result which she won but Caitlin obviously and this again I didn't know that she had a bad weight cut she kind of looked sluggish just a, a little tired not as active or as powerful as she usually does and Manon took a full advantage of that just being the look like younger and fresher fighter like that's kind of what it looked like to me it wasn't like she was showing me these outrageous skills that proved to me that she could contend with Valentina Shevchenko but obviously you beat somebody that's on a five fin five fight win streak um that'll turn some heads and that'll get some attention on you especially um how good her win turned out to be. Now, I don't think she called out anybody or said anything about a fight that she wanted to have upcoming. She said, I just, I just want to fight all people. Well, I mean, you just fought the number one contender for the next title shot. You, it wouldn't hurt to call out Valentina Shevchenko or um, any of those top girls up there, right? Even though she is where I think they're going to make your number one. You know, UFC rankings are not like regular basketball or football rankings. It's kind of up for grabs mostly, but decent fight. You know, not the most exciting fight to start the card off on, but um, if Kaylin would have had a better wake up, it would probably would have been way more exciting because they did get some decent hits off. Here and there, but yeah, it was just a little lackluster. Um, next fight, Benil Dariush versus Mateusz Gamrat. Now, this was a good fight. So, 
But Neil Darius coming off of a year, about a year layoff, a little bit more than a year with a foot injury or a leg injury. And questions were, is he going to be able to deal with Mateus and his wrestling, right? And not to say that Benio is not good, but we have to have some sort of assumption that taking a year off with a leg slash foot injury is going to hinder your movement a little bit. You might have that thing called ring rust. Um, you might not be as confident in moving. There's a whole bunch of things that come into play whenever you you miss because of uh, injury. And boy, did Benil look like a monster in there. Uh, I can't remember how many takedowns he stuffed, but it was like watching a clinic on how to not get taken down. <laughs> and I know there's a clip of Benio in the fight and it says, this is how you stop a takedown. He just shoots a right hook or left hook and drops Mateusz to his back. And that was pretty much the description of the fight. Benio kind of just looked like a juggernaut. He obviously, he does, he's not a fast starter. He kind of lulls you into a false sense of safety and he starts just pouring it on you and pouring it on you. And I was telling one of my friends, I was like, Benil is not winning because he's winning. Benil's winning because he's not losing. And what I mean by that is like he hasn't done anything to prove that he's like the dominant person in the fight. But Mateusz has tried so many things and has nothing to show for it. Like he kept throwing takedowns and it's not like he was doing bad takedowns. Like he was hooking the leg. He was bringing him up. It's just that any time that he, any time that Benio could kind of see it coming, push the head down, push him away, get on the right side. It was an absolute clinic watching Benio Darius defend um, all the takedowns that Mateusz uh, went after. Oh, and before I say something, I was three and two in my picks, but it was because of weird reasons and not because I didn't pick the right fights or the, the right winners. And I'll tell you in a second, but Benil looked good. Um, the landscape of the lightweight division is going to be weird going forward. And you'll know that, um, Islam won the championship over Charles Oliveira. I'll get to that in a second. But Benil and Charles were supposed to fight way before. And I think this is when Islam fought Bobby Green. And people were upset that he was getting a title shot off of that. But Benil got hurt. Or was it Benil or was it RDA? One of them. He got hurt and him and Islam were supposed to fight. And Islam obviously just took the next fight coming up and ended up winning. He's on an 11, now 12 fight win streak and the champion. But Benil looked really good. Uh, I don't think that injury affected him at all. Gamrot still looked good. Looked like he had a lot to learn on, like, not telegraphing his takedowns as bad. I mean, Benil looked like he was just at wrestling practice and the the practice of the day was defense and it wasn't even how to reverse. He was just like, can you stop a takedown today? Yes. And he stopped them all. I think he got two or three um, in the first round. But after that, it was just 
like I said, a clinic of defending the takedown. So I got this pick right. I got the first pick wrong before I knew Caitlin had a bad away cut. Otherwise, I would have picked Manon just because she is um, a younger fighter. She is more green in the fact, uh, in the sense of being in the UFC, not necessarily mixed martial arts, but there is a a difference between the levels of competition everywhere. I know it's getting better, but there's still a gap in certain weight classes. So, Benil for the win. Uh, I think unanimous decision, and it's pretty good. Um, next fight. So, this is the controversial one. Uh, Peter Yan versus Sugar Sean O'Malley. Sean O'Malley wins by split decision, which I was thoroughly confused about, right? So, I always watch the fights on mute the first time. So, there's no bias. I don't listen to the commentary. I don't want to hear the commentary until after I watch the event the first time through, right? And I will say... Sean O'Malley didn't look bad, and this was not a robbery. But my eye test felt like Peter Yan won. And after I saw the stats, um, it was not obvious, but it was kind of clear that Peter Yan should have been the winner of that fight. And I'm going to pull up the stats here because I do want to see... The ending stats. They were trading blow for blow in um, the stand-up game, which I did not see coming to that aspect. I thought um, Sean O'Malley would stay more on the outside and try to pick him off instead of uh, going inside and try to box with him. Okay, so here's the official stats. Three-round fight. Total strikes, um, Peter Yan has 97 to Sean O'Malley's 91. Significant strikes, um, Sean O'Malley has the, a big advantage, but less in percentage. Uh, Peter Yan landed 58 of 96 significant strikes, while Sean O'Malley only uh, landed 84 out of the 163. Now, the number is a big difference, but he is only 50% while Peter Yan is 60%. But the big thing was the takedowns. I know there was a big um, clash in the middle of the second round where Peter Yan got rocked. And then Sean O'Malley got even more rocked. But Peter Yan had over a full round of takedown control time. Now, I I was watching a lot of review videos because I wasn't trying to put a video out like five seconds after the, the event ended like some of these um, MMA media folks. Although, I'm going to have to start doing that if I want to be MMA media one day. The um, judging criteria is what gets it here. Now, although Pirion did look dominant in the takedown and keeping him down department, he didn't really cause a whole lot of big damage on the ground. Now, will I say Pirion looked like the better fighter in there? Yeah, I think it's because he's just more experienced. 
Um, he's more... Um, he's just been in bigger fights than Sean O'Malley has in his career. And if you listen to the post-fight interview, Sean O'Malley was like, man, I didn't think I did enough to win. I mean, I hope I did, but he he looked unsure about it. And it was kind of weird. I, I, I listened to the... Um, post my interview on my phone, and I was like, huh, he didn't really sound too confident, but I mean, as wild and crazy, and the funny thing is, Sean O'Malley says, he's a real one, like, he understands that he needs to work on stuff, or he need, he understands that he's really good, and really talented, and he needs to challenge himself, so he came real, he's like, man, I really didn't know um, if I did enough to win that, I hoped enough, he fought hard, he didn't talk trash about Peter Yan at the end of the day, and I know, obviously, Peter Young was upset by by his tweet after the fight. But, you know, it is what it is. Sean O'Malley defeats Peter Young via split decision. And I guess I'm going to have to watch it again and watch it with the sound on to see if it was biased at all. Because I watched it with the sound off and I was like, man, other than a few spots, uh, Peter Young looked pretty dominant the entire fight. And that decision made me feel like a casual. Like, I've been watching the UFC since, like, 2002, 2003. And that fight with um, Valentina and Talia Santos and who else? Whoever Holly Holm fought, I can't remember, but... These fights are now, since the criteria, I swear, the criteria keeps changing and I can't keep up with it. But with the the change of the judging criteria, I feel like I'm not really understanding what um, they're looking for anymore. Um, because I clearly thought Peter Young won. There wasn't, not like, a, oh man, I, I don't think Sean O'Malley uh, lost. I think Sean O'Malley did really good, but Peter Yon just looked better. He was he's just not not saying that he's a, so much better than Sean O'Malley that it wasn't close, but he kind of just looked like the more polished fighter, right? And that's kind of what we're looking for. But either way, congrats to Sean O'Malley. Got this pick wrong. I picked Peter Yon. Next fight, Aljamain Sterling versus TJ Dillashaw, which was a big letdown in general. So I picked Aljamain to win because I just, I didn't think TJ could beat him. But little did we know, he reveals after the fight that he he had like a dislocated shoulder and it happened so many times during camp. He didn't hit mitts. He didn't do an open workout. Um, I didn't even realize that. But literally on the first takedown and Aljamain sometimes, I think he needs somebody to help him. (laughs) market himself because he didn't do none of that not to take anything away from him but and not to give anything to tj because he did he doesn't need any more praise but he tried to post up and his shoulder immediately went out and i know something about dislocated shoulders you are not doing anything after that i don't know why people try to fight, play sports, or do anything after a dislocated shoulder, you can't even squeeze your hand with any strength, let alone think you're going to be a world champion UFC fighter in Aljamain Sterling, really. 
Now, I'm becoming more of an Aljamain Sterling fan because he is looking more and more dominant each time I see him fight. But, man, I just, I wish he would have just called the fight immediately and, and not took the unnecessary damage. But, you know, fighters going to fight and sometimes the coaches need to save them from themselves. I'm full, I'm a full fan of that, you know. Like, when I dislocated my shoulder in high school playing football, they took my helmet away. I'm not going back in, and we're going to be responsible for your health. Sometimes I wish that would happen more often in professional sports outside of boxing. Because boxing, folks were throwing the towel. You don't need it. You're getting beat. You're not going to win. And they'll throw in the towel. So I got that pick right. Unfortunately, I got that pick right because of the injury, not necessarily because... Of a good fight. But man I hope TJ gets better. You know he has to have another surgery again on his shoulder. Um, He's going to be out for more than a year again. I just hope that he can get better enough in time. To maybe have one more shot at the title. You know. But I wouldn't blame him if he retires either. You know. It's pretty hard to have multiple surgeries on the same shoulder. Again and again. And then try to fight. And then the last but not least, uh, Charles Oliveira versus Islam Mahachev. And man, oh man, I have a lot to say about this fight. So, obviously I'm a big Khabib fan, so I was going for Islam. But I wasn't discounting Charles because he has won the fights that he needed to win. Same thing I say about Conor. I don't think he's that good of a fighter, but he did win the fights that he had to win to become champion. And you can't take you can't take the actual wins away from somebody, but you can judge them for the way they fought. So, last fight when Charles Oliveira had his first title offense, he missed weight, one fifty five five. He's had a history of missing weight when he was in one forty five, sometimes missing by ten to fifteen pounds, right? So it's not out of this world to think that he would have a problem. But in my eyes, I think Charles Oliveira put more emphasis on trying to lose the weight rather than in the fight. Now, this is all speculation. I could be wrong. But when he went out there, he didn't really look like himself. He looked a little bit tired. They both weighed in at 154.5, which they don't need to be under. They all, all they need to do is be on 155 and fights on. But for someone, I think Charles Oliveira is a better fighter. If they were both at 160, I think Charles Oliveira wins. And I don't think if they fought 10 times, Islam might win six, but Charles Oliveira wins four. Like, I think. That's how it would go. But definitely looked odd out there, right? Um, I wouldn't say Islam Makhchev is a phenomenal striker by any means. But even he knocked down Charles Oliveira. And I don't care what anybody says. I don't like it when people come from behind and win or get beat up the whole time and pull out a submission or something to win. I don't like that. Like, 
you don't need to do that to prove that you're a good fighter. All you need to do is win, in my eyes. Like, I don't care how you won. Like, I don't give you more merit if you're, if you, like, I don't say Leon Edwards is so much of a great fighter getting a head kick knockout in the last round, right? That, that has nothing to do with me. He was getting tuned up by um, Kamaru Usman again. I still think Kamaru Usman is a better fighter. Leon Edwards won. I understand. But watching this fight, and it finally caught up to him a little bit because he got dropped, and Islam jumped guard, stepped over, and got a uh, head and arm choke, and it looked very pedestrian. Like, so pedestrian that it looked like, again, Charles Oliveira always says, I have the most submission wins in the UFC, blah, blah, blah. I'm the and I have the best jiu-jitsu, but <laughs> like Khabib said, how can you say you're the best jiu-jitsu practitioner if you tapped eight times in a fight? He's like, just go to sleep. <laughs> I can I can appreciate that sentiment, but you know, you got to look out for yourself. So I don't see a big deal in tapping. But you don't say you're the best knockout artist if you're getting knocked out the most as well, right? You can't you can't have thirty wins by knockout, but your your nine losses are also by knockout. Like find some defense. Uh, <laughs> let's protect your chin, just like um, Islam does. Islam is a very defensively sound fighter. He doesn't get hit. I think he has the least amount of strikes absorbed currently in the lightweight. I think it's at like 0.79 or 0.76, something like that per round. He, he just, or per minute, he just doesn't get hit a bunch. You know, I'm looking here, 84% total strikes landed, 75% um, significant strikes landed, and two or three takedowns, and his one submission attempt, he got him. And like I said, it looked like a walk in the park. Now, one thing to note is Charles Oliveira was on weight. And now I don't know how Islam's weight cut went, but Charles Oliveira's team, or he decided to put it out on social media, that he was on weight eight hours before weigh-ins. Um, as a weight class athlete, you want to be as close as you can without being under so that you can have your food and float weight down when you wake up in the morning. So him being on weight so early, you really can't rehydrate or eat because you might be too much over for whatever you float either up or down during the night. Who knows? I'm not Charles Oliveira. I know how I work and I can't say that everyone loses a pound or two overnight. He might be one of those special people that doesn't. Who knows? I just think that's too much time in between. You go to bed at like 157 and you cut the rest in the morning so that you can recover a little bit. And I think that little bit of recovery does matter because obviously he looked really tired out there. Um, I was confused as to why he tried to fight on the ground. Um... I would say his hands are better than him getting to the ground. Like you would want him to get taken down and not him doing the takedown. But Islam was dominant on 
all aspects of this fight. It looked like a cakewalk. It looked like a normal Khabib fight. It's just like takedown, choke out. Takedown, choke out. So, so I got this pick right. Obviously, Islamachev, the new lightweight champion, um, called out Alex Volkanovsky. Uh, so I think they're going to fight next year, maybe March, nothing concrete. He did call him into the ring and they had like a whole little spiel. Very respectful. I mean, <laughs> Islam said, where's this short guy? But they shook hands before they both left the ring. So I don't think this is, um, any animosity in between. It's just fighter versus fighter. And the same thing with Khabib. Khabib, um, Said same thing to Charles Heyman. No disrespect. You're great. This is just hyping the fight. And same thing he said to Alex Volkanovsky. So really can't wait to see that fight. I don't know how Volkanovsky is going to do at 155. Um, I wouldn't say he doesn't have experience because he was way heavier than that when he used to play rugby. So it'd be interesting to see because he is the shorter fighter. But decent reach. And better hands. So, we'll see. So, that was my breakdown of UFC 280. Obviously, I'm going to have to watch that Peter Yan versus Sean O'Malley fight again. Because it just doesn't make sense. I don't... Unless I'm being biased. Uh, thought Peter Yan won. Anyway, guys. Uh, it's raining here. Kind of dreary. Had some chores to do. Really couldn't go outside. So, I got a lift in promise you those videos are going to come soon um until then uh see you in the next podcast see you in the next roasting session i'm going to have some guests on again soon it's been a while but now that i got my computer and stuff running right uh, i feel confident in being able to record without screwing up the audio again <laughs> until next time guys i'll let you later